Hello and welcome to the Gaming Manifesto, the official podcast of Commigamer.com. My name's Callie and I'm your host. Returning this week, we have Riku. Hey. And the other half of GamingSandbox.com, Connor. Hello. Hey, good to have you here. Um, so normally, of course, we do start with what have you been playing. Uh, but I did put out to you if you want to chat about the uh, the Steam Deck, which is, I mean, we don't like to talk about the news too much on here, even though that is how it started. But <laughs> I, I've got some things I want to say about it. So, yeah, do you guys are uh, familiar with Steam's handheld console they've announced? I am indeed. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with it. I've, I've seen it. I haven't looked too much into the details of it, but... Um... Uh, let's say I, I saw enough to to know it's probably out of my out of my willing to uh, yeah. spend margin. It's um it's cool. I like it, but it is twice the price I'd be willing to pay for it. Mm. Like is I I've got a lot of Steam games that I just don't play because I don't play on my PC very much. Mm. This would be that perfect solution where I can just chill back in bed or on the sofa and play it. But um, for, I think it's like. Was it like six hundred and something for like the think, one with the highest amount of memory. Yeah, the fancy one that's got like anti-glare screen and all bells and whistles is six hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, fuck. Off. And then they kind of <laughs> incrementally go down in price. I think it's like five hundred dollars for the middle of the range version, five hundred and thirty dollars even, um, and then four hundred dollars for like the basic version. I'm like, oh, basically a PlayStation Five or an Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> For something that runs at native 800p and 30 fps, I'm a bit like, mm. yeah, I, I would like to if they could reduce that by half. But hopefully, if this is um something that goes well, I guess. I mean, I see a lot of people have pre-ordered it, so if it goes well, it can only bring the price down in the future. Yeah, I mean, did did they say that you can have the Game Pass as as an app? on it and play Game Pass games? So you can install any operating system on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has its own native operating system from just you know with Steam's basic looking thing, uh, but you can put Windows on there, so therefore you can put Game Pass on there. So it would be quite cool just for a handheld Game Pass device. Yeah, I mean that that would be because I, I'm sure like the disappointment of getting the Xbox Cloud Gaming on my on my Android and then you know just not having I mean I don't know what your Wi-Fi is like but certainly my Wi-Fi <laughs> is nowhere near good enough to to sustain cloud gaming so having like a dedicated handheld console to play like Xbox games that would be amazing but I don't know it it depends on the price and it depends on the storage and you know I looked I looked at the cheapest one and it's got what something like, like 50 uh, gigs or something to yeah and i see, the game. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly it's like well i'm not gonna you know just buy a, a handheld for one game at a time or you know mm. where, because i know that games just seem to be getting larger and larger now so well um yeah. so go i was gonna say it does come with they were i was watching like some ign deep dive thing that they did on it um and they were saying that you know it's got ss it's got a not ssd it's got sd card support on it but then the thing that I picked up on was the fact that, you know, obviously we've tested it with a load of games and stuff, and it does have a slight impact, but not a big one. And I always kind of sit there when companies go, oh, it has a slight impact, but not a big one. And I'm always a bit sus about how big is this supposed non-existent issue? How big a problem are we seeing? They were like, you know, obviously. And then they started coming up with some games are bigger than others, and some games have got big loading times and this and the other. I was like, hmm. For that kind of price, sucks. yeah, you want a premium experience. Like, if there's any lag at all running it from an SD card, that's not good enough for something you've paid that much for. 
Did I did I hear somewhere that Steam Deck only plays in 30 FPS? Yeah. Uh, natively, yeah. I think you can jack it to like um, you know change some files or something like that to make it kind of run higher, but it will natively target 30 FPS. Yeah. See, this I just too bad for me. Like, I mean, when like when I can play on my Xbox all the time and get like the premium experience, I just don't know if I can justify buying yeah. a handheld. It'd be good for yeah. traveling, but no one travels anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> they came out with this two years too late. Had this Very been like so. you know summer twenty nineteen, people would be like, yes, I can play some Steam library on the train, but no one does that anymore. Ideally, if they could just make the Switch play uh, Game Pass, I'd be very happy with that. Or, oh, yeah. frankly, the cloud, like, because it works for me. I'm, I'm okay when I try and use the uh, cloud gaming. I've only done it a couple of times. Like, um, we're the, it's better with my 4G signal when I'm out the house. So, like, I was, you know, in a car park waiting for something to open and managed to play. I still only tend to go for, like, games that are, like, uh, little top-down RPGs. Nothing could... I'm not going to try and play Gears 5. I know it can, but why would I? <laughs> I'm on the go, yeah. you know? Yeah, the, um, the only games that I found I could support were, like, really static indie games. And and even then, uh, the connection when just... Um, not the actual streaming online, but uh, streaming from the Xbox, so it, like, grabs the screen oh, yeah. uh, onto your phone. I tried that, and even then, it was just so... Uh, like, the frames were just horrible. <laughs> oh, I- the same problem with the playstation remote play app i tried to use it on a stream the other week and it was just horrible. i'm like literally playing the opening bit of village and it took me about 12 attempts to kill the first werewolf i was like nah that's horrible i remember i was tuned good. in to watch that and yeah the frame like you were seeing every now and then from yourself until it's you know got it sorted out and you say it wasn't anything like your internet that was just the playstation remote that was yeah it was just it's just the remote play app it's like it's really laggy and i've got to say if i use it like use my phone as a second screen it's still it's like chuntering along very very feel slowly we're so close to the future we're like we're so close to everything being just really good but with just a little bit more to go the technology is going in the right direction mm. it's just not there it's, <laughs> like yeah, it's five just... years we'll be like laughing but right now for now <laughs> what i could do with with that uh, like with the xbox cloud gaming on my phone if i could download the games to my phone I think that would be a better experience if they could like make a way for me to just essentially turn my phone into a mini Xbox I'm walking around with, then they wouldn't need to release their own kind of handheld. But I think that's the point of a Steam Deck though, isn't it? Is that it gives you constant access to your Steam that's library one, wherever yeah. you are. I mean, yeah. I look at this and go, it's a really good idea because Steam not have just spent some time instead of developing this on developing a gaming laptop that has a really good battery life and doesn't kill itself after about two hours of gaming on the Battery. Well, I don't think that's necessarily something they can focus on anyway, because this is a Steam Deck that has like two hours of battery life if you're running a high power game. So yeah. it's, it's not like they're good at making hardware or anything. Um, what I do quite like, and it's unsurprising coming from them, is they've they've made their operating system and all that, all the files is basically open source. You can just go get it from them, and they are encouraging. It's like, yeah, you want to make make your own version of a Steam Deck to compete with this? Go for it. Because to them, it doesn't really matter how much hardware they're selling. If they can get more companies building similar things that are connected to Steam, where they make you know all their money from selling Steam games, then it's wins. So that, that kind of competition should be good. So hopefully in a few years, we might start getting cheap other brands Steam decks, which will let me play the thousands, well, no, not thousands, the tons of games that I've hoarded during Steam sales and never played. Oh, yeah, my Steam library is huge. I mean, that's what I got excited about. I was like, oh, okay 
I can play my Steam library on the move. And I did a bit more look and I was like, oh, not for that price. I've got a laptop. Mm. I want to do that. <laughs> it's too much. 600 bucks is too much for a handheld device. It's a shame that always the most expensive part of a console is like the, the storage space. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Like just to upgrade like from 50 gigabytes to was it 250 on the highest one? Yeah. For that to be a few hundred pounds, like craziness. Mm. Especially when like SD cards cost fuck all. <laughs> I know it's not using SD cards like to do it. It's using like presumably solid state, but like, yes, like if they could just get that going anyway. I think that's the point though, is they're kind of, when they were talking about it they were very much talking about the people that buy the kind of like middle of the road one which is still 540 dollars, which is a lot of money mm. they were saying you know oh it doesn't have massive amounts of storage but you can plumb 120 or 250 gig s uh sd cards into it and you know it'll run the games off of there and you can do this and the other and i was like yeah but if you're getting that like i still on my ps5 i will run most of my ps4 games off my external hard drive and they run slightly slower. The loading times are extended and stuff. And I'm like, well, if you're getting that on something that's going to cost you this much money, but doesn't have all the bells and whistles, like Connor was saying, with that you get with the next-gen consoles, then really, well, what's the point? Mm. There is a, a cool thing for the Series S. Um, like, it's been Kickstarter-funded, where it's like a plug-in screen. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, is that like it's like attached to the, the box? And it turns like into like up. a weird little laptop. It still kind of feels weird, like, if you pulled that out on a train and was looking around for the plug socket to power it. But I mean, I guess why not? It's pretty small. So yeah. I saw that and it reminded, I mean, at the risk of sounding really old, like back in the kind of like late nineties before the PlayStation two, you had PS TV for the PlayStation one, which was like a really dodgy little CRT screen that you could plug into the back of your PlayStation one and use it like a little traveling console thing. And well, it kind of cool. reminded it reminded <laughs> me of that because it was like this little fold down screen that you could put on the top of your PlayStation, and it would like you could literally you didn't have to have a television you could just sit there with the PlayStation TV plumbed into the back of it and play Spyro the Dragon or Crash Bandicoot One on this really te- it was like literally like phone screen level size screen stuck onto the back of it and it kind of when I saw that I was like oh it's PS TV but twenty years later on a you know. I always have to talk my way out of those things being cool because I know like we're so much further past that but like the other week I remember being in Tesco's and seeing like it was on the reduced and it was a portable DVD player and I was like oh man a portable DVD player how good oh wait hang on I just watch Netflix on my phone these days like (laughs) I'm still not past the point where I was a kid looking at that kind of stuff like I had like a little portable TV about yay sort of size once upon a time and like yeah, it still blows my mind. But like, yeah, I realise we're way past needing a portable DVD player. I've got a laptop, I've got a phone. Both of these things are better than that. It's, it's that retro 90s aesthetic. you got to love it. I'm just, yeah, I'm just not over it. It still looks like high class to me. Like, I'm still thinking that that's the future. Uh, I remember one time, there was an, this is a bit unrelated off topic, but there was a uh, advert. I think it was for like Rubicon drink or something like that. And like, like so there's these dudes chilling in the caribbean and like the dude has like a mobile phone and it has a book attached to it like built in for a phone book like you could write your numbers in and i was like that's a great idea then i remembered oh yeah mobile phones just have phone books built into them software wise now but it just seemed so cool (laughs) you know just easily sold when you combined two things together anyway so steam deck aside what what we've been playing what we've been playing connor Oh man. Um, well, I've I've been see since 
uh, me and Eldrin have, have started the unofficial Game Pass podcast. We've been exposed to loads of different Game Pass games. And ever since we played Yakuza 0, I've been slowly just chipping away at the Yakuza series. So I'm now in Yakuza Kiwami 2. been playing that. I've also been doing my first review for Gaming Sandbox, which is a, a small indie game called Alba, a wildlife adventure. Okay. And it's this cute, really adorable style little indie game where you uh, walk around this island as a, as a little girl and you take pictures of all the different wildlife and, and uh, you build like a whole encyclopedia of animals. And there's like this whole plot with the mayor and this shady businessman who's going to like build a huge hotel to knock down the nature reserve and it's like you and your friend have to stop them that's really um, cool it's really cute and i can't wait to it's like, a bit like pokemon snap i was gonna say it's like <laughs> pokemon snap but endorsed by the discovery channel yeah it is yeah it's, it's literally like pokemon with with animals that go around like uh catching animals by by getting them with your phone it is really cool sure, if they could and, um, put david attenborough's voice over a game like that that'd be <laughs> such a hit could you imagine take a photo and here's the cheetah you know and just his beautiful optics every, every time you, you snap an animal it's like the pokedex but in david attenborough's voice yeah oh, that'd, be, that'd amazing. be fantastic we're pitching yeah. this yeah no one steal my idea or do then, but pay me and then the the only other thing is uh hellblade senua's sacrifice which i'm playing for the first time for the next game that we're doing on the podcast. I was going to say Odrin was playing the same thing, so that's <laughs> that explains it. What, what do you make of it so far? So far, I think the the voice acting makes it definitely. It's like it's such a cinematic experience, mm. and um, it it's like audiobook level quality and beyond. It's like I can't believe the actors. I like I was looking at there must be some big names I know. There, there's like not any big names. They're just really really good at what they do i don't even feel like the the writing is is that good but the delivery of it hmm. just makes it fantastic um there there are things that i i, I feel about it I, i'm not too fond of walking around looking at things and i think the <laughs> that is a lot of it yeah i think the the combat feels so um disconnected from that other get like there's like two different gameplay elements and they don't really uh, mix very well like they're, they're just split up into different segments um, but as an experience I'm really enjoying it yeah I, I mean I enjoyed it there is bits there is uh, segments of it which are fully unenjoyable that make me not want to go back and play it like you have to really slog your way through them unless you're doing well I guess if you're good at the game it's probably easy but like I was struggling to know what I was doing with them and just generally feeling stressed because the rest of the game wasn't stressful. <laughs> I love the aspects. Though. Like some of the um, places you get to a bit later on where they're, they're creepy, like mm. proper dark and creepy. So I love that about it. But I won't, I won't get you talking about that too much because I don't want to give too many spoilers for the next uh, unofficial Games Pass podcast. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> what about you, Riku? Um, I actually haven't had much time to do much gaming, so I've just been kind of continuing my really exciting adventures in Watchdog Legion with Louise the Cardigan Killer. Named updated? Who is it? No, no, I got it wrong last time I was on here. I called her. I don't know why I called her Carol. I think it's because she just kind of gave me Carol vibes. It's kind of like old British woman in a cardigan. I assume she was Carol. No, her name's actually Louise. Um, but yeah, I've just been kind of when I get the odd spare moment and stuff. Work has been mental recently. I'm just kind of playing through um, more of Watchdog Legion, which is becoming more and more interesting as I play it. You know, I kind of I still spend most of my time just kind of 
utilizing and developing stories for my characters to make them more interesting because it is very much a here is a person that is a spider bot delivery system so i've created these lovely stories about all of my characters i've got alex the drone user who was a drone enthusiast as a child and watched his dad get killed in a horrible drone accident which is why he's now using it to fight people and all this random stuff honestly i've, I've kind of slightly gone mad with the stories that i'm creating for these people other than that i'm i've been doing a little bit of grinding on bloodborne um, ahead of something that may happen in the near future, which people that listen to this podcast will have to look at social media to keep tabs on, um, because I am bored of getting my ass kicked on that. That's been about it, really. Kind of nothing majorly exciting. Um, oh, and I may have started another playthrough. I think this will be my fourth playthrough of The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, um, because that game is just incredible, and I love every second of it. Still a game I'm yet to complete. And I'm sat here going, how have you not finished it? It's been out for so, so long, long and I finished it four <laughs> times. Such a long game and there's skill trees and I'm too dumb to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been playing, I know no one else, but I've been playing a great little indie game. I've not got too far into it, but I'm pretty sure I've got the gist of it anyway, which is the um, an airport for aliens, which is currently run by dogs. I think the full title is. Is that the one and with like the stock images of doggos where indeed. you go and talk to them? Oh, it looks so it's, cute. It's, I mean, I'm not going to go say you should spend your money on it, to be honest. Like, it's, I, 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 I was in a bit of just a throw. Yeah, it was my birthday the other day, and I was just buying myself a few cheap, cheap little games. So I think I spent about 12 quid on this. I'm not at the end, so it could well be worth it. I, in fact, looking at the reviews, someone said this, they weren't expecting to be, you know, crying from it. So maybe it has this proper deep emotional narrative, but. Basically, you're walking around like it looks like the kind of game you'd get in VR potentially because it's a lot of you know first person and just real basic things you got to do and pick up. But it is going through an airport where all the signs are written in alien and all of the people and things around the alien are just literally square stock images, like a photograph of a dog. Um, and you can run up and you can pet them and you just keep repeatedly tapping the like pet button. And they make a uh, crazy little like sound as you do so. <laughs> so it's definitely a person pretending to be a dog sound. It's not like it doesn't sound like a dog at all. It sounds like a guy doing a dog voice. Um, and like pedestrians, uh, I think. Like basically, everyone's got like a dog pun for a name. Uh, it's got this kind of like funny. I think the the humor is very internet style. You know, like the kind of meme culture internet uh, uh, meme culture humor. Um, so I walk up and there's like a dog called Bribe Dog and you talk to him and he's just going like, look, I know my name, you can see my name, you know what the deal is here, <laughs> you know, and just like, it's very self-aware. It's a stupid game. It's so fucking <laughs> stupid, frankly. Sorry if any devs ever catch wind of me saying this, but I do love it, <laughs> but it is dumb as all fuck. So that's why I've been playing a bit of, and also some Demon Souls, which isn't a game I would ever, ever have thought I'd be playing, but, um, I think I just got talked into it by one of my fellow commies. <laughs> so yes, it's, cause, it's because we kept three. telling you to man up and play them. That's hey. why. <laughs> They're hard. They're not relaxing. It's, it's all right, though. I'm good at boss battles is my kind of what I maintain, and that's what most of that game is. Have you played any of that at all, uh, Connor? What, Souls-likes? Any Souls-born-y style things, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I had a terrible experience with the first Dark Souls that kind of put me off. Uh, just what Dark Souls is, a terrible experience as well. Yeah, yeah but I, I I mean I got to a point where I don't know, I don't even know if I was going the right way. I was in some sewers, I got cursed by a frog, and then I 
I I worked my way up to like twelve thousand souls or whatever it is. Went up to like the church and paid to be cured, and then I went back to the same place and got cursed again. <laughs> Tried starting different characters and it just uh, I just couldn't get through it. Um, by a frog. Sounds like standard Soulsborne stuff. To be fair, you go down somewhere, something bad happens, you go back to the same place, same thing happens again. You go, what the fuck is this? How do I sort this out? Why well, is this you, happening? Yeah, but the the curse was that every time you died, your health bar decreased. So I ended up with like a, a tiny smidge of health bar, and it was just like, okay, well, this is game breaking for me. I was gonna say, like, if you get if if you failed the first time, making it harder is probably not gonna get you through it. <laughs> That's crazy about that game. Like, I, I, I've always maintained that like, I, I prefer if they were more accessible. Finally, you know, like people say you can't put an easier mode in there. It looks such a cool looking game. I love everything about it. Who knows? Like, I'm a little bit stressed about going back into playing it because I know it's going to be a challenge. And I'm like, oh, I just wish I could enjoy this properly, like relax and enjoy it. And I know that's not the point of the game. It's supposed to be challenging, but fuck it up. Like, <laughs> just let, let, me, let me enjoy the game and be a noob. I think that's where the kind of mildly masochistic nature of Soulsborne fans comes from though it's that kind of that throwing your head against the proverbial brick wall to finally get it I mean I rage quit from Bloodborne back in like 2017 after getting the floor wiped with me by the blood-starved beast and was like I'm never going back to that game and a couple of my friends were like well you know some of the other commentary actually were like well you've played Demon Souls I was like yes they were like well that's harder than Bloodborne I was like is it though went back and I'm actually I've got past the Bloodstarved Beast now and I'm actually enjoying it to a degree. I still spend half my time just laughing hysterically at deaths. Like when I did the live stream a few weeks ago and I rolled backwards off the ledge during a boss fight and I just sat there and started laughing hysterically. I was like, I didn't even know there was a ledge there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like the games themselves, I I enjoy them, but I also enjoy games that are horrendously difficult at times. That's why like unlocking Final Fantasy VII Remake's hard mode and throwing myself against Sephiroth in that and having him kick the crap out of me. I was like, this is so good. And people were like, but you've died four times. I'm like, I don't care. I will get him eventually. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoy those games, but I also am a glutton for punishment when it comes to playing. I've, um, I've certainly hard. played games where I've died once and then never gone back and played them because I hate them. <laughs> like or if i do go back it's like four months later when i've built up the like when, when my anger level has gone down at that game so yeah I'm, I'm it's not i'm not i'm not for challenging games particularly you've you've reminded me that i bought super meat boy forever a few months ago and i think i'm <laughs> stuck on what i assume is the last boss oh. and i just haven't gone back to it because it's such a precise uh combination of moves you need to do to get around the boss's attacks and i just like no i'm not, i i I refuse. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, I've not got that completionist sort of like, you know, need in me. There's nothing about me and needs to. Like, I played a, a game. It's called um, Slack. No, something. Oh, it's some stupid ass thing where you basically don't, you don't have control of your muscles. Like, the, you have to control your limbs individually. Manual, Samuel. Manuel Samuel. Yeah. <laughs> so I played that game and um, I got all the way to the final boss and I just I, I had a few attempts like and it wasn't getting anywhere and when i got really close and then it didn't and i was like you know what i don't need to complete this game it's fine i've got everything out of it i've learned the final you know moments whatever i'll youtube it i guess <laughs> i'd haven't but like 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I got enough, as far as I'm concerned. So I imagine the same is going to happen with Demon Souls. I'm going to possibly get through a few more bosses, and then I'll hit something where I die five times and we'll just sell the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I because I play primarily on Xbox, I, I think I, I miss out on like Bloodborne and Demon Souls and that. But the, you know, every time I see a Souls, like there is a part of me that's like I I really respect these games. And I played Mortal Shell, which was oh, yeah. a, a sort of uh, I think it was like made by four people or something. It was like a, a really indie, a really small team, wasn't it? Yeah, and I really enjoyed Mortal Shell because there was a difficulty barrier, and then once you got over that, it was like the whole game was was manageable. Like it, I I found it pretty easy as someone who found Dark Souls quite challenging. Um, and I completed that and I was like, yeah, I really enjoyed that experience. Um, and I think because of that positive experience, I'm looking ahead at like different ones like um, Black Myth Wukong. Have you seen Have you seen that? That looks so cool. <laughs> that looks amazing. And I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be up for giving that a try. But if it, <laughs> it's always that thing is that, I, I like difficult, but not too difficult, you know. D- just don't curse me. I'm fine if you don't curse me. <laughs> don't take my health away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think you'd lose too much if you put a slightly easier mode in those four people to make them accessible. You can still play your hard mode and be, you know, take away the achievements. I don't care. I just want to get through the game. Yeah, same. I, I mean, I, I had to play Control for the unofficial Game Pass podcast, and a lot of people love Control, uh, but I didn't really get on with it too much so you know they had like an accessibility whole menu Mm. where it's just like okay i can put my health up i can put my damage up and then it's like oh but if i make myself invincible that doesn't really feel fair so i'll just give myself a lot of health and still have the margin of death available and so like options like that i like that because it's just like well let me just you know if i don't have a lot of time to play just let me chill out and enjoy the game the way I want to. Fly around, yeah. throw and rebel. Yeah, it yeah. is a. Well, I played that and I did change the difficulty settings after dying a couple of times in the same bit. I was like, I'm done with this. <laughs> but least, and it was fun. I enjoyed the game. I liked seeing all the cool stuff. I do think I maybe overdid it though on the um, giving myself advantages because it got to times when I'd have like the boss battles and I would slay through them so quickly and it wasn't a challenge at all. So I, I do think I might have ruined some of those bits of experience, but. Yeah, I think that the thing is for me, when I'm playing a game, if it's too easy, I'll put the difficulty up. And if it's too challenging, I'll put it down. And I'm very free about that. I won't constrict myself mm. to one difficulty and say, no, I need to get better. It's just like, well, no, I know that I don't have a lot of time. And sometimes I only get two hours uh, a night to play games. So 
I, I know that I'll just, I like it challenging, but if it's going to stop my progress, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to stick with it. So I'm excited about that mortal shell. Though, of, oh, I'm also, I'm an Xbox. Like when I was saying Demon Souls, I meant Dark Souls 3. They're the same game in my mind. <laughs> but um, that mortal shell, I, I, I have it on my wish list. And I, every time it's on sale, which it currently is, I look at it in sort of like a, you know, longing because it looks so cool. But I get that vibe it's going to be like a soul where well, it is a soul's like and it's going to be impossible for me to play so hearing you say it's doable actually gives me a bit of inspiration to maybe get that it's really quite accessible i found i i found it's really atmospheric um there's it isn't like too huge of an experience because obviously it's developed by a very small team hmm. but i think what they've managed to do is actually really impressive and uh i think the only thing i needed when going through it was i had to look up a map to to the bosses because i kept getting lost <laughs> in the hub area but uh other than that i really enjoyed it I thought so you it weren't accessible. getting slayed like constantly or anything there was like there was a barrier at the beginning where I, I sucked a little bit and then once i defeated say the first boss i felt powerful enough that i could defeat the rest of the bosses without really worrying too much because i i, I felt like there was a there was a point where i got good enough where i could then play the whole game yeah like you get think, past the first boss and get an ego boost <laughs> so yeah like, i, I think that's on the one world. of the, that's one of the issues i find with like the from software games is that you'd be so for example you be a boss on the first try and then you kind of sit there and go yes this is going to be great and then the game literally goes oh you're feeling cocky are you splat <laughs> and then you're just kind of like oh okay i feel slightly I'm going to be more tactical. I'm going to beat this boss in this way and I'm going to dodge roll an awful lot more. And then you go into the next boss after that and they're like, oh, so you're using dodge rolls, are you? Well, here is a boss who will hit you from omnidirectional attacks. And you're like, why? Why do you need to do this to me? I feel mm. confident with your game. Why do you feel the need to constantly beat me down? But weirdly, I enjoy that. <laughs> that is I don't know weird. why. I think I a lot just... of people do, apparently. So. I mean, to be fair, once I've done Bloodborne, I am very tempted to get Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which is apparently the worst and most challenging of all of them. But then, like, I look at it and I'm like, it's like Ghost of Tsushima, but with really cool, like, monsters. Japanese mythological monsters, which just mm. looks amazing. But that's probably what, um, it. What's that? What was the one you mentioned before, Connor? The one that's uh, the Chinese studio are making? Wu something? Oh, Black, uh, Black. I think it's Black Myth Wukong. Yeah, that that is like all that kind of Chinese mythology, and mm. um, that is, I believe, anyway, I hope I'm good as well, but I believe that is from a studio out in China, and there's quite a building set of studios coming from that area, which I'm really hoping, as an Xbox uh, main, you know, Uncle Phil capitalizes on and gets out there <laughs> making some deals because of yeah, there's just so much cool stuff coming from there, but that I'd like to be able to try and play. I say try and play. This is the thing. If you throw it out on Game Pass, I'll give it a go. Even if I can't get past the first boss, I won't feel like I've wasted, you know, 50 pounds on it. Yeah. Actually, I actually didn't know Sekiro was supposed to be um, Japanese mythology and everything, because I, I love my, my Japanese fiction, so I, I'm i going to have to check that out now. Yeah, it's got kind of like... It's not like direct links, but there are... It's kind of... Obviously, it's set in kind of like a feudal Japan-esque mm. place and kind of like it kind of I think it's like it's a weird merge between kind of like feudal J Japan and kind of ancient Chinese mythology and stuff. And it's kind of like this weird blend between the two. Um, mm -hmm. I know that there's like, there's a big ape boss who's got a really heartbreaking backstory. 
there's a really evil serpent. I was about to say the big snake. Yeah, the big snake. The big snake he spent most of um, time running away from. Excites me about it. Just it looks so big and just like terrifying, frankly. But... Yeah, and there's like some weird like monkey shinobi things that you kind of have to do like weird puzzles to go and beat, and then when they eventually spawn, you have to kick the crap out of them and stand a sort of way. But yeah, I like. It looks really awesome and it's been my, on my list of games to play for a while, but I've always been a bit like, mm, no, Soulsborne, from software games kick, kick the crap out of me and I'm not going to do it. But then I powered through Demon Souls when I got my PlayStation 5 because well, it was like one of, well, it was the only PlayStation 5 exclusive that was there other than the expansion for Spider Man. And I was just like, oh, actually. People are going to come for you for saying that, just so you know. <laughs> they are. They are. They're gonna, I'm gonna have you know drone attacks or something on my front door. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just it excites me and I'm intrigued about it. I'm probably gonna play it like once, get my ass kicked, and go. I will come back to that in four years' time. Are you excited for Elden Ring then? Oh, I'm so excited for Elden Ring. See, I'm excited for Elden Ring, but again, just to watch a YouTube playthrough of it because I will have <laughs> no chance of doing that game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what it's like, but at the moment, just because of my previous experiences with Souls like, so I don't think it has enough to, to really grab me. Mm. It's one of those games that's like, I think the lore, and this is again why I would love accessibility in those games, because the lore and the just the the designs of the characters, uh, not characters like monsters and stuff, are just so cool. I want to experience it all, but you know, I'm a noob. <laughs> I think that's why I like the games they like from a design aspect you know you've got these big everything kind of all interweaves and interlinks from a map and level design perspective and just everything is so well designed and then for us to have this massive open world like dark souls was relatively openly worldy to a degree bloodborne was this, is the same demon souls was more level based um but everything kind of interwoven and interlinked and stuff but to actually have a proper open world I mean, you say that like it's a good thing. <laughs> like, at this not. point, I've got so I many imagine, open world games, I'd rather than not. <laughs> I imagine it's going to be like when I first played Final Fantasy XIV online and I went, oh, I'm going to go down this route and I'm going to go through here. And I was like level one and there were like level 30 monsters that just one shot me. I was like, hmm. let's not go back there for a while. And do, it's going to be something like that, but it was Soulsborne, so they won't have levels above them. You'll just walk into something that you hit and it does like less than 1% damage and it just cleaves you with one hit. Hmm. So, just want to jump straight then onto our next section. Uh, we did warn you about this, Connor. Um, so, we are once again continuing with the Comica and my ambitions to find the greatest game of all time as dictated by my whims on the day. So, today I have Riku representing. Da -da -da -da. Oh, Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, awesome. <laughs> oh, no, Connor's face. Connor's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Okay, and Connor, what are you representing? Uh, the Yakuza series. So, just to be clear, I will let an entire series count as one game because of there is very few rules to this. Um, this just me choosing a random I coin flip at the end. Like, <laughs> I, I will. I will say I've only played like Yakuza Zero, Yakuza Kiwami, and Yakuza Kiwami Two. So it's the Yakuza series through the lens of the first three. Well. You've got a bit of an advantage in this because if I've played a little bit of Yakuza Zero and Yakuza, uh, I was going to say Enter the Dragon, Like a Dragon, um, and I've not played Ghost of Shishima, uh, I can't pronounce the name of it either. So <laughs> that is also already a negative. I've got to say, like 
having an unpronounceable name (laughs) or one i refuse to learn um so yeah there's a slight there's a slight advantage on that side so yeah why you put your your head in your hands here in ghost of shishim uh, okay, give me that. Give me that name one more time, and I will learn it. Tsushima. Tsushima. Okay, so while you're heading your hands for Ghost of Tsushima, it's not all is lost. Though that game is should have been probably game of the year, like every year, because it looks beautiful. Mm. But all I know about it is how it looks. I've never played it myself. So um, yeah, uh, I'll go for this with Connor. Do you like to go first and explain to me why the Accuser series should go through to the next round of the Comedy Cup? Well. I mean, so the Yakuza series, I think, is really interesting for gaming in general because in the concept or premise of it itself, it's basically a a seven... I mean, at least the the story that charts the narrative of Kazuma Kiryu is basically a seven-installment, one long Japanese epic, right? where it's kind of set in modern day Japan and it's like a crime mafia story. And and one of the things that drew me to the game uh, with Yakuza 0 is back in the day when uh, Mafia 2 came out, the reviews all praised how cinematic it was. I thought that, you know, the mafia games are pretty good. They, they tend to have kind of that more Godfather feel and, and that is one of my favorite films of all time the godfather yeah uh it kind of gave me a little bit more of that cinematic um experience that that gta never quite got for me uh that was before gta 5 though um so coming to yakuza and there i mean i'll admit there are times where you put down the controller and it's just like watching a film basically and you watch very long but extremely well done uh cutscenes of this long Japanese crime epic that spans over, as I said, like seven games. So when you return to the series, whether you're going from game to game, you're returning to the same characters and the same locations. And that familiarity over time, I thought was something so unique because yeah, fine. You have Halo one, two, three, and, and you have different series that have many different sequels, but just the, the continuity between Yakuza 0, Yakuza Kiwami, and Kiwami 2 was like returning to an old friend each time. And it it was so it's so nice to have that because as a as a writer myself, as someone who's just done a literature degree, I really love long novels that you really get familiar with. Um and to have such an expanded narrative over the course of many games, I thought was a really special thing. And again, with with those cinematics, where it is that kind of film experience, because when I sit down, um, you know, coming back from work, that I don't really want to stick on a DVD because I know I'm going to lose interest. I'm going to like pick up my phone or something. But if you stick on a Yakuza game, you've got the controller in your hand, right? So even though you're watching the film, it's like a very interactive film that you can't afford to just put down the controller because there'll the be a fight focused. scene. Yeah, yeah. So it's like. I get to experience like a really rich narrative and it doesn't ever lose my interest. Um, the gameplay itself is so vast as well. There are so many different mini games and stuff to do in Yakuza and it really creates this living, breathing world of um, Kamurucho in Tokyo. 
and there's so much to do there's like car like mini car racing uh like a, a cabaret club mini game there's like you can play mahjong <laughs> there's like so much to do and it in some ways it creates a more immersive world than you know a lot of the the bigger i'd say you know gta 4 feels pretty stale in comparison to just the small enclosed space of of yakuza's map because everyone's walking around and talking and there's fights going on and you walk into so many different shops that it, it is honestly kind of one of the most immersive things i've played and the the actual combat of the game is just like a straight beat em up which i didn't think i'd enjoy very much but then you get into the different styles of it and there's kind of nuance to each different fighting style and there's so many different items to interact with like you can like pick up a a salt pot and like throw salt in someone's face in the middle of a fight <laughs> it's just it's so like it is ridiculous it's hilarious and it's also like really serious in some of the most emotional narrative of I've, I've seen in games and kind of getting to that point where like it's very Japanese in, in humor and just the kaleidoscopic like mess of a game it is um, that it can just make you laugh out loud and also almost have you on the verge of tears in, in the more serious narrative. Um, but I think just because of the the cinematic feat of it, the uh, over the course of many games, that long narrative that it, it's kept going and just because of that vastness the kaleidoscopic nature of its its gameplay i think that it, it deserves um a chance see i uh i say i played zero um for the first bit and then i played like a dragon now the storyline in like a dragon was damn near identical to the one in zero it was kind of like it almost felt like that was like a you know they did a re- soft reboot with um like a dragon and obviously the gameplay itself is different um but as for the cinematic yeah, you're right. That first like three hours of playing like a dragon, I think I was watching cutscenes. I would say the divide was closer, sort of like seventy cutscene, thirty gameplay. Like mm. now, now I'm further in is gameplay. There's a lot of you know more gameplay, but then that, them first few hours are just like relentless cutscenes. <laughs> like yeah. I would say, kind of. I mean, this is based on the like a dragon, but it's kind of a negative in that it is a little bit too much without anything in between um mm. for that beginning while but i think if you're into the just you know diving straight into a narrative it's absolutely fine and i say for someone like me who is scatterbrained and does need have a low attention span like it, it was still it was good enough that i was paying attention you know it was a very interesting narrative and the way it set up i already cared about my character <laughs> by the mm. time i actually got to play as my character yeah, I mean, it's not like a, it's not like an eight-hour experience either. Because Yakuza Zero, when I finished it, the the clock was sitting on fifty-six hours played, and then Yakuza Kiwami was uh, like twenty-one hours. So, you know, you get a lot for the for this like the small price of a Yakuza game. You could get like, and I'm only doing like the main story as well. So it's like twenty percent completion, oh. at fifty-six hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, just the the sheer length uh, and and mountain of like a series it is I, I just really respect it but it did take me a while to get past the the length of the cutscenes yeah. you know where the the screen actually goes dim because you haven't touched the controller in so long. It's a bang for your buck. It's definitely worth it. Like I mean, obviously, 
as privileged Xbox few are playing it on Game Pass for free anyway, but like they did the remaster collection of like the first bunch, I think. And yeah, those games they have such longevity, so much gameplay involved in them that if you're gonna spend something and need, you know, you can only buy one game for the summer, mm. it would definitely take you most of that summer to get through it, I'd imagine anyway. Mm. Um Riku, throw to you. Tell me about Ghost of um, I like that ghost of uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's just going to become more, more and more like offensive to the Japanese language when I keep repeatedly <laughs> failing to do just it. Butchering <laughs> the name of one of their small islands. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've of the games that I've played in like the last twelve months. Yeah, and that includes well, kind of eighteen months because that includes Final Fantasy VII remake, which was stunning. Um, Ghost of Tsushima has kind of really stood out to me as probably the most harrowingly beautiful game I have played in a very long time. I mean, the whole the game starts with like you know the invading Mongol army on the beaches of uh, Tsushima uh, on the kind of like the southernmost point, and your Jin, who's there with his uncle and all the other samurai clans of the island, and they're all on horses. And you're charging down this, um, you know, this kind of grass laid path with all these kind of samurai warriors on the sides firing arrows and there's Mongols shooting fire arrows back. And it's just the opening sequences. You literally get like this short little opening cutscene followed by you're now riding a horse and this is what you have to do. And you then charge down on horseback, riding, galloping towards what is invariably going to be a bunch of hairy, scary Mongols. Um, and you kind of you have this brilliant they kind of introduce you to the combat in a really dynamic manner um it's not a case of like you know in the kind of you know if we kind of use the soulsborne thing if you kind of in this kind of like spectrally realm where you get a couple of enemies you literally jump off the horseback there's a couple of mongols and it's like here is what you need to do to attack and this is what you need to do to kill them and stuff and the combat blends so well with the gameplay on a kind of like just roaming around sort of thing you see groups of mongols and you know your katana comes out and you start hacking away at them um and as an opening sequence, it, just, it blew my mind. And then there's this moment at the end of it where you get this cinematic and it's absolutely harrowing because you're left almost dead on a beach. Everyone else has been massacred by the Mongols because you find out that they have no honor. And obviously the game is focused around the kind of, you play as Jin, who is a samurai without giving huge spoilers. I mean, the game's been out for a while, so most people already know the story. But Actually, uh, yeah, spoiler alert. I was going to say spoiler alert. The game, because we already actually had a complaint on someone giving spoilers away for final fantasy 7 remake so i would assume that would be you that would probably <laughs> me yeah. yeah yeah there are already spoiler spoiler alert for, that. for this game um, jump ahead <laughs> you know you kind of in the opening cinematics you watch your uncle supposedly die um and you're a samurai warrior and obviously the whole samurai code is all about honor in battle and honor in death and everything else and then as the game plays out you know, Jin moves away from that kind of honor, and the whole narrative is focused around this kind of this inner turmoil between his character as for being this honorable samurai versus someone who needs to get the Mongols off of Tsushima, get them away from his homeland, save his island. And the narrative builds, and the kind of I'm not going to give away the ending, but the final boss is not who you think it's going to be. And it was probably the most heartbreaking moment in the video i actually sat there i had to pause the game have a little bit of a meltdown because i couldn't believe what was happening right at the end of the game and how heartbreaking it was um and the narrative itself is so brilliantly written that you kind of there's this really slow escalation 
and you can see the kind of the struggle between Jin and the other samurai about kind of like you know is he still this honorable warrior or is he drifting into something that's really quite shady and not honorable and stuff and it brings this kind of real almost kind of like um i'm trying to think of the word now um conflict to you as a player as well because it's like actually I, I want to play this game as an honorable samurai but i'm some of this choice is kind of being taken away from me by these main story arcs and the fact that you know you're using poison to kind of you know poison a group of mongols and it's like that's not the way we do it we go charging in with our swords drawn and we take fight them on the battlefield head on and it's like you're it's kind of it's really interesting actually kind of like it felt at times like an assassin's creed game where you're kind of like jumping over fences and running across wires and kind of like stealth assassinating people and stuff which isn't honorable it's not the samurai way and kind of like you know other character other npcs in the game are like it's not what we should be doing we should be fighting them head on and you're like no it's fine i got this i can go and clear out an entire encampment of hairy scary mongols and you lot can just sit out the front and uh, wait for me to raise the flag and say we won apologize um, apologies to our mongolian listeners by the way just to <laughs> yes, no, this, is, this is ancient ancient mongolians um not modern day mongolians not scary um, you're not hairy and scary anymore um um yeah and from a narrative structure i just it really i was exhausted by the end of the game i think i kind of played it over the course of about two weeks and by the end of it, I was like emotionally drained. I was like, I have to go and play Crash Bandicoot now to go and make myself or Spyro the Dragon to make myself feel a little bit more uplifted and stuff. Um, well, and stylistic. So before we go on that, the, you said about like this whole choices thing. Can you, if you were to play the game honorably and just attacking things head on, I mean, other than making it very hard for yourself, I imagine, like, would it change people's, you know, view of you? Or is that all built into the storyline that you can't? You don't get a choice. There is a moment about, just before you open up the third prefecture of the island, where the story basically tells you, you are going to do this like an assassin. You are not going to do this like a samurai. And it's like, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. I know if we storm the front gate, we're all going to die horribly, but I don't want to do this because this is going to make my uncle and all my mates kind of look down on me and be like, hmm, that wasn't quite the right thing to do, was it? <laughs> um, and, you know, in terms of story and stuff as well, you know, you've got the NPCs have got such well-developed backstories. Like, you know, you've got, you know, kind of your main Jin, the main character, you've got one of his old senseis who taught him archery, who's got um, a student who's working with the Mongols and stuff, and he's determined to stop her and kill her. You've got... Um, a this uh, matriarch of a family who the mongols killed her entire fat all of her sons and her husband on the beach and then they um someone in her house has been conspiring with the mongols to basically take all her wealth and she wants revenge it's really like this is really beautifully crafted multi-layered narrative where every npc character that you meet who's got a name has their own story and then on top of that you've also got these kind of like these weird kind of like ancient mythical stories about you know a mythical sword or mythical armor or a mythical flame that allows you to set your sword on fire and kind of like all these kind of like things where it's all very caught in mysticism and then you go and do them and it's actually like actually it's mystical but actually it's a real thing and it's just beautifully crafted story-wise um you know kind of and unfortunately unlike Yakuza there are very few moments of humor it is very <laughs> it, is, it is emotionally draining there are a couple of quests that are quite funny like there's a guy who's um pretending to be a samurai and you kind of give them a bit of a telling off but then yeah i mean from a like and then from an extended gameplay perspective there are these you know you get to go and write haikus there are literal moments in the game where 
away from all the bloodshed and all the fighting and all the harrowing, heartbreaking things. You literally find places where you, and you literally look at different things. You've got like three or four options to construct your own haikus. And then once you've constructed them, the game then has, um, and the voice acting itself is brilliant because they've got Jen literally reads the haikus out to you. So you get to sit there and compose your own little haikus, which is quite nice. It's a quite nice, relaxing experience. We've got this beautifully tranquil, scenery which the game is it's just the game is littered with the scenery you know you, you, you know, it's, <laughs> it's literally like they've written obviously the kind of like in terms of the narrative design stuff and the writing and stuff of the game they've written kind of like sections of haikus and stuff and you can kind of reflect on there's one where you like reflect on your honor you reflect on your relationship with your uncle you reflect on the past you reflect on the invasion you reflect on uh, other bits and bobs and it's like these beautiful moments of calm that really juxtapose the sheer savagery of the main story and getting the mongols off of the island um and you've also got these cool little mini game things where you can kind of you've got like the little bamboo things and you have to push it's like a little quick time sequence but you've got to push buttons in a certain order to get you to slice through them in one kind of slice and stuff so it's, it's all very stylized around the kind of developing yourself as a samurai at the same time as developing yourself as a horrible assassin who doesn't do anything honorably um and it is beautiful and you know kind of like similar to the yakuza game the cinematically it's gorgeous the cinematics are great you know you've got dialogue choices in there as well like you would expect in most really well written rpgs and the dialogue choices actually have an impact on what goes on unfortunately some of the dialogue choices don't quite match up with what you're going to say but it's just <laughs> the whole game is so beautifully stylized and i even if i haven't even got to the best bit yet which is the jewels you know every boss you fight you do in this kind of very um akira kurosawa stylized jewel thing where you know so the most beautiful one was you're in a field of lotus flowers and where lotus petals drift up because there's a wind blast as the battle starts and it's just everything about the game resonated so much with me in terms of stylization in terms of story in terms of traversal everything else and actually it's probably one of the only games i've ever played where combat on horse does not feel terrible <laughs> you know it doesn't feel janky it doesn't feel weird and stuff like obviously you're kind of charging head on with someone on a horseback and you kind of just swing your katana and stuff but it's done it a lot of thought has gone into kind of every aspect of the game that it just was amazing um coupled with beautiful beautiful soundtrack um so i'm gonna sit there for a second so i can god his face right now he's like oh god (laughs) hold on Um, let me buy ps4 (laughs) (laughs) changing teams midway through (laughs) Um, yeah, want to go ahead and is, have you got any rebuttals to any? Have you got anything additional to kind of add to the uh, Yakuza? Like, I would say one thing that I will kind of give the Yakuza benefits on here is uh, it is funny, like, like a dragon, it's hilarious. I, I'm loving it and endearing characters. Uh, I actually forgot the name, it's been a while, um, since I've played like a dragon now, but um, Ichiban, come and Brazil. He's like just so endearing and like sweet and adorable. I know, sorry, I'm not making the arguments for you thingy, but I kind of am. That's what you are. <laughs> but like, yeah, like he's just such a sweet guy. Like, he just really is so wanting to help and he's such a good bloke. And it's just like, yeah, he's incredibly endearing. It is funny. Whereas, like, while the stylization of um, Ghost of is uh, beautiful, is a Saddam up made to make you feel bad. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a Saddam up. It's reflective of the choices that you, it's that kind of struggle between doing 
what is right versus doing what needs to be done. It's it's a nice kind of flip on the hero's journey because most of the time it's like, you are the good guy, here are the bad guys. In this game, it's you are the good guy, here are the bad guys. But if you want to kill the bad guys, you've got to throw away pretty much everything you've ever thought right in order to do so. You have to play dirty and it just, it is harrowing though. Like, and the final boss. Hey, hey. Let's see the back. This was on collar. Go on collar. <laughs> Tell me some Yakuza. Oh man, I I, I need to preface this with um, saying that my my favorite director is Akira Kurosawa, and I watch like Seven Samurai and all the all the old black and white Japanese samurai films and everything. So, if there's any game that's perfect for me that I that I want to play, that I would buy a PlayStation for, it's Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> so it it. it yeah, it's maddening to be up against. Um, and also, I haven't played it. I, I wish I could say I have, because again, uh, it's probably the one game that I could lose my life to. Um, <laughs> but saying that, I I will get into the story of Yakuza just because you did get into a lot of Ghost of Tsushima. Please. And also because, of, as you say, they all are connected. And I've played essentially the very first for a little bit and the very final so I would be intrigued to know if there is a connection between these parts. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting because Zero starts off with uh, Kazuma Kiryu uh, being framed for her murder he good, he didn't commit. And it's him being sort of expelled from the ranks of the Yakuza, the, the Japanese mafia, and then fighting against several different... Uh, uh, crime organizations in Japan um, and trying to clear his name. Alongside that is the store, story of um, Goro Majima, who from Yakuza Kuriyama, obviously because I started with Zero, which is a prequel, I didn't really get the significance of Majima. But if you start the, the Yakuza series with the first one, you know that Majima is this kind of anti-hero who is a a bit of an antagonist he always is always like the the boss fight against kiryu he's always that guy who wants to fight kiryu because kiryu's like some awesome fighter and he always wants to prove himself by fighting kiryu so it's it's interesting to follow majima in this prequel because he's very much not that majima yet he's a very soft quite sweet character uh he's not the the toughened mad dog of shimano that he he later becomes and is almost sort of uh madly in love with kiyu and also screwing things up for him at the same time he's like a, a strange kind of is there's like a strange batman and joker dynamic right there's a very serious the seriousness to kiyu and then the the really playfulness of majima or he's like majima's like a deadpool so playing through zero and having his character over the course of the game be broken in such a way that he almost loses who he is and becomes this fully fledged Joker type character is absolutely fascinating. And uh, so, do you play as the guy? You play game? as yeah. You play as both Kiryu and Majima. Uh, I can't remember where Majima is like in a different location for for most of it, hmm. but. Uh, he actually ends up protecting this this girl who is like the key to a certain um, 
lot that all the yukus are trying to purchase and own because that lot sort of makes their hold over the 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 territory of the city really valid and like whoever owns that has the the power to the to Kemarocho. um meanwhile uh kiyu is framed for a murder that took place in that lot so that there, there's like their story like intertwines and like they everything they do sort of impacts the other story and you like you get so much with um majima because in in the very beginning he's ordered by because the thing with majima is he was part of an attack that went wrong and for that he's sort of uh trying to repent to the yakuza so he's like really under their thumb that he has to do everything they say or he'll never re-enter the the ranks of the yakuza and then um he gets the the job to assassinate this girl and this girl as i said is the the key to this certain property that all the yakuza gangs are after uh, and then he ends up saving her and like there's there's this bit of the the end of a chapter where he's got the knife as if he's about to kill her and then it switches off and it goes to kill you and it's like oh no <laughs> what what's gonna happen and they it does cliffhanger right like there in the middle of a game yeah there's like 17 chapters and every time you get a little bit with kiyu in the story like kiyu has like a um a best friend who he grew up with in, in an orphanage and they're both raised by this yakuza boss and their relationship is so interesting in this game because it's so strong. Uh, and yet there's this point where his friend, his well, his blood brother basically um, almost kills Kiyu because it's almost like that Godfather moment where it's just like, you'd be better off dead or whatever. And then they, it's like, it's really emotional, destroy, like heart destroying moment. Is that um, where he kisses Sonny? No, not Sonny, what's that? Fredo? yeah 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 it, it is like it's like it's, it's like one of those moments except he, do, he doesn't go through with it huh? um okay. and it's it's all fascinating because if you play that and then go straight into kiwami because i believe they they made yakuza zero and then they made kiwami and kiwami 2 afterwards uh which are the remakes of the first two games okay uh there's like a continuity of the the, the they use like the same engine and the same graphics so Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's far more continuous as if you were to go back to, um, to play like the original games and their slightly uh, dated uh, state. So it's like directly continuing on from the prequel. And the blood brother who you were so close with in the first one is suddenly the enemy in in the first game. And I won't I won't spoil it too much. But basically, in the first game, Kiryu, it's like a very similar circumstance because while he does get framed for a murder, he steps into that. He is like, no, I will I will get framed for this murder, and he goes to prison for ten years. And and he comes out of prison after 10 years and everything's changed a bit and you get to see all the characters after zero and kind of where they're at now. And that, that continuity is like fascinating because you get to know them in zero and then some of them are like completely different in Kiwami. And there's constant, there's such a, a cohesive narrative that there's constant allusions to what they were and who they are now. And at the point in, I think there was, when I started Yakuza Kiwami 2, um, this, I think they, they stepped up so it's a new engine so that um, when you're traveling the city, it used to be you used to click on a shop door and there, there'd be a tiny load screen to, for you to enter. But now it's all continuous. So you just walk in and walk out of all the stores in the, in the city. And it, like the, the graphics are great. The, the combat is really, really great. Um, but that game starts off with you looking at the graves of the people who died at the end of the last game. And it, it's, it's so like powerful in the way that it stitches up the narratives and like each game is like it, like the developers have said, each game is its own narrative. You can enjoy each, each one as its, its sole story. But if you do play them all in sequence, it, it's so rewarding. Like that's actually quite nice that they actually went back. So yeah, zero is a prequel. Um, but it's good that they've then redone one and two to kind of match up. Because I, I believe I was listening to uh, yourselves talk about um, Halo uh, Combat Evolved. Mm. Um, this is partially just showing off. I listened to your podcast, like, <laughs> but <laughs> one of the things was they on the Master Chief Collection they put Reach first. Mm. So then people play Reach and then they go back and play number one, and it just doesn't like Reach for me is the best Halo, like. Mm. It, is so, so you know it's my favorite one out of them i'd say mm. the actual gameplay compared to like uh number one is so much it's a bit more advanced anyway so like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't flow it, i i mean you you really need to play the halo games as if you're um you know as if the gameplay because it's, it doesn't matter in terms of narrative I, no. I strongly believe if you're playing it as if the gameplay is progressing and not the narrative otherwise that step down from reach is just hugely disappointing mm. 
Well, that's the other thing you said on there as well that um, reach a lot of the impact of seeing reach fall is because of already knowing the covenants or having them first the first you know instance of seeing them or mm. like the hints of them sort of showing up and doing an invasion like it's mm. only actually important if you've played the others so yeah the say, idea that stood out for me when i played reach because obviously i having grown up playing both playstation and xbox playing halos one to three and then playing reach afterwards i was like wow and that final so i mean we're getting completely off topic but that final sequence on reach where it's just survive as long as you the can credits yeah so oh. brutal and then when it just cuts away and it's just your helmet as the rest of the planet sort of recovers around it and yeah that's yeah, it, it brings up a, a, a very interesting question about narrative cohesion because there, there are reasons that prequels are prequels. I mean, you you wouldn't watch Star Wars Rogue One without watching A New Hope because just because mm. it wouldn't make sense. There's no stakes uh, mm. <laughs> watching it. Um, but I the the reason I feel it works with Zero is because I feel that it's it genuinely introduces the characters in a, in a place where they're the youngest. Uh, where they are and because you've got those two remade um one and two um it flows into them so nicely and i was really struggling to think well do i do i play one work my way up to six and then go back and play zero and i'm really glad i did start with zero because as i said it it, it just flows so nicely i think that having that touch of of those two remade um first games really really helps uh, what's the main protagonist in zero uh, the not the mad dog, the uh, Kazuma Kiyu. So he's is like the the dragon of Dojima. And is he all the way through the rest of the Yakuza games? Yeah, for I I believe dragon. up until Yakuza Six, so that's like seven titles where he is the main character. And then like a dragon is the yeah. eighth entry in the in the franchise, and um, that starts Ichiban's story. So that I I assume that he's going to be continued through the next sequels. I hope so. I can love Ichiban. <laughs> like, I need to get back and play that game. That is actually, speaking of games that I die on and then give up for a few months, um, <laughs> it was after a long dungeon grind on that one. And mm. then I got beaten substantially. And yeah, it sent me back like an hour's progress. And I'm like, nah, I just can't be honest. But it is, it's the funniness I find in those. I won the side missions of like just going around getting people to try, people that haven't. A, hard time with one thing or another or running late or unable to cross the road and giving them some of this uh this fiery kimchi which mm -hmm. then just sends them sort of sprinting <laughs> off yeah. and gives them that pep they need it, um, it, it's amazing that they're they're able to sort of stitch together that like such a serious emotional and intense narrative in the in the main story in the cutscenes, and then have all these little side stories which are for the most part completely optional that are like so full of humor and and life that just give the game like such a such a breadth of of different feelings and and reactions. It's so weird as well because it is like such a bizarre game. Like I think it's said about like being sort of that Japanese humor. It's yeah. so weird and like crazy, and I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, ridiculous. at the risk at the risk of giving points to Yakuza from a narrative perspective and like going back to narrative cohesion and stuff the fact that you can play you can start at one and play that through and then play zero and it has more of a kind of impact but then you can start with zero and play through so you can start with a prequel and it has exactly the same impact playing it through kind of is telling of like 
really solid storytelling throughout a mm. very long series you know i couldn't for a second imagine like you know i one of my favorite game series is the kingdom hearts series and when kingdom hearts 3 came out i had to replay all the other games just so i could be like oh christ where are we going what have i done who have we done who are these people what are we doing and stuff and it was like you know and still the fact that you've got animal you have no idea i i have a 99 percent <laughs> certainty on who's who in those games go you basically if they're in black coats the assumption is they're all xehanorts the one with the ears is uh donald right no that's mickey good lord okay. <laughs> um, good lord um but yeah just kind of at the risk of giving points to you ghost of tsushima works as an amazing standalone title i know that there are potentials for a sequel in development i'm not 100 percent sure where narratively it goes based on the kind of like because it's very historic you know there was such a kind of focus on historical accuracy in that game i don't know where it would go next if you're going to play the next game as Jin, but going to you know mainland japan for well, you've kind seen of like, the um the the expansion coming of like it, yeah it it's, to, it's on another one uh, of the smaller islands yeah and you are playing of, as Jin um as it goes but this is what i mean you know kind of i'd be intrigued to see what's next for Jin. But I don't know if we're going to play as Jin in the next game or what. I mean, I'd be interested to see if you play as um, Jin's sidekick. It kind of teaches him how to be an assassin and stuff. That'd be really, really interesting. But yeah, it kind of, yeah, Ghost of Tsushima's narrative works really, really well. I'm just, I don't know where you'd potentially go next with it, whether they do it a kind of Assassin's Creed sort of thing where you play as a different person 15, 20 years down the line who is more of a ninja assassin rather than a samurai or whether they go what route they go with it and stuff it'll be interesting to see but obviously kind of at the moment that's not that bad a thing though like if they've made a game where there is a definitive kind of end like the story's been told yeah they're getting this dlc but essentially like i mean i know kind of the end of you know as you say you're just going between honor and actually winning and having to sort of choose to win over your honor and all that kind of thing like you can't tell that more than once really like if they were to say do an assassin's creed and just set it on some like another island a different uh, samurai and then he just goes through the same thing this wouldn't be so i don't know if they even are like you would assume they're going to probably try and milk some money out of it but like really they have told one coherent solid story um but yeah you're right yakuza has such a history so many That's games the longevity of it as well yeah. to be fair I, I find it's really dangerous making sequels because I, I think that Ghost of Tsushima is probably in in a place where they could go down the Assassin's Creed route very very easily and and kind of you know follow Ubisoft's trail of trying to make money by keep revolutionising what is technically the same game with different skins and yep. I, that that doesn't feel good to a consumer like if you've told a very intense uh, very uh, rounded and whole-bodied story that you know is just like one experience that you have played and is fantastic what you really need is is another story and you know perhaps they need to find just where is that story is it with Jin? is it with someone else but to to match that first one i feel like if if they didn't find the right narrative to tell um you know, they, they could be in danger of doing what a lot of franchises do when they try and make make themselves a franchise and just, like, cashing in. Yeah, it's um, Sony very dangerous. Good at that, though. Like, I mean, they're cashing in that, you know, here's your director's cut kind of thing, but they're not just throwing 
you know last of us is out the door like they're nothing because of they do make a big impact i've not played them i've heard good things i've heard bad things but like they make a big impact and they don't just throw more and more and more at you to milk you know a franchise which is uh highly regarded so yeah with ghosts maybe they just won't ever make another one and that'll be fine because that'll be a classic you know piece of artwork and gaming whereas assassin's creed i love i love assassin's creed games do i think they're narratively the best or like you know deep stories no i can tell (laughs) if i have a lot of fun playing them and they do just cycle out the same old shit i'm still going to carry on playing them because i do get enjoyment out of them and that's you know mostly what matters to me but uh but yeah i would hope ghost wouldn't follow in assassin's creed footsteps that said the gameplay from what I have seen is a fair bit like Assassin's Creed. Like just Very a much prettier so. version. It's, it is. I mean, to be fair, you wouldn't be entirely shocked if they changed the name from Ghost of Tsushima to Assassin's Creed Tsushima at points. There are collectibles, there are enemy bases, there's sneaking and stealth, there's smoke bombs, um, there's poisoning people. Um, but then the thing that kind of... I, I've I play a lot of Assassin's Creed games like most of us do because unfortunately Ubisoft goes, here's a new one and we go, cool, we'll buy that. Um, is the dueling and the general... And the, the navigation is amazing as well. Like instead of kind of like, you know, your weird dotted blippy lines or your kind of like weird animus kind of hologram things, you follow the wind. So if you want to know where to go, you have to literally look at the grass and the wind will blow in a direction. And if the gra- the wind's blowing to the left, you're like, I need to go left. <laughs> and it's just, it's honestly, it's the most, it's the thought that's gone into that. It's like, oh, well, we could just have the kind of standard, here is a, you know, line on the road and stuff. But it's like, no, 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 no. You have to, and it's even explained at the start of the game as well. It's like, you know, to find your way, a samurai concentrates on his surroundings and notices the movements in the wind. It's like, you, they've thought of everything. But again, you know, where it goes in the future will be very interesting i would for one there are some ideas that you could look at in terms of what happens at the end of a story and where you could go next and having Jin as a character could potentially be something or like i said jim's Jin's sidekick not jim jim Jin, <laughs> Jin's sidekick kind of being more in the spotlight and stuff would be interesting as well but it will be interesting but as a standalone story it just from my perspective it ticks nearly every box i could have done with a you know, obviously the relaxing haikus are beautiful and stuff, but I could have done with a little bit more humour at times. Do you, to do balance you, out the harrowing. Do you think the uh, Assassin's Creed like gameplay hinders the game at all? Do you think that if if they had come up with sort of gameplay that differentiated itself from Assassin's Creed a bit more, do you think that that would have been better? Yeah, I mean, I think the kind of when, the first time you kind of like un- when you kind of unlock certain things and you open the mini map, you get the standard Ubisoft icon puke all over your minimap um which i did kind of obviously it's got the ability for you to kind of like use the legend thing and turn things on and off and stuff but i was kind of i looked at that and i thought i mean i've still not 100 it to be fair i've still got some stuff i need to do on it but i kind of looked at that and just thought oh good god that's gonna be that's just as i looked at it i was just like it's it's assassin's creed from a map ui perspective it's an assassin's creed game with my here is my map covered in icons um and again, like some of the traversal stuff is Assassin's Creed, but then I feel it elevated the kind of Assassin's Creed. It kind of took what Assassin's Creed did well in terms of traversal, in terms of stealth mechanics and all that, and then kind of just went, this is how you do it a bit better. And the mm-hmm. combat, you kind of, you don't get given everything struck right at the start. 
you know, in order to take on the big brutes who are in big armor and stuff, you kind of have to unlock different kind of like techniques and stuff. You've got like water technique, the wind technique, the earth technique, and fire technique, and all these techniques you kind of unlock them. I think it's not fire, it's moon, um, that you can use to kind of combat and battle people. And instead of kind of like, you know, leveling up in a kind of standard way, you kind of have these combat stars that you unlock and you've got different kind of assassin techniques and different combat techniques you can unlock and stuff. But most of your changes come from the armor you wear. So you kind of have like five or six different armor sets, one that's good for stealth, one that's good for kind of like big open world combat, one that's good for jewels. And it kind of it adds a bit more of an element as well. And you can kind of dial your armor and stuff and upgrade them. So you end up with what looks like basically wearing five cows worth of leather on you um towards the end of the game if you've unlocked enough armor and stuff and it's really it took the stuff that makes assassin's creed work really well and kind of just pushed it a bit more we do get that in assassin's creed different loadouts so you can you know have one for stealth one for combat and one for um whatever the third thing would be don't you have to like <laughs> un- don't isn't part of the unlock thing though like you have to pay for yeah not pay the currency just, i mean it's yeah, very yeah, easy like to believe currency. you would have to pay for it with ubisoft but no it's uh it's just it's like skill points or whatever so yeah to unlock your other, other yeah, i mean i'm interested because obviously like i've seen chunks of the most of the yakuza games and stuff and the thing that stands out to me is the kind of like especially in zero the batshit combat and the fact that you can go from being like you know punching someone in the face with your hands to then switching your style and all of a sudden you're doing break dancing and stuff like that I'm like <laughs> what is that that just looks so cool yeah it literally uh majima has the the break dancing style which is just like spinning on the ground and kicking people with your flying legs <laughs> that just it's, looks it's yeah. so cool so yeah. the actual um how's the combat kind of feel because i've played as a, a little bit of zero and i'm i'm not really that big a fan of just you know beat em ups like tapping buttons and i couldn't quite understand what the whole changes in the different you know there was like the red the blue the whatever direction i push it on i couldn't really understand what that did (laughs) yeah it took me a while um in zero you have uh going based off of kiryu's um fighting styles he has the orange beast mode which is like this really slow really heavy um punching style where it's just like it's slow so you may get hit and it's kind of risky but if you get the hits in, it does a lot of damage. And also in the beast mode, if you punch past, say, a bicycle on the street or some other item that you can pick up to uh, hit enemies, instead of having to go over and press to pick up that item, you will simply grab it with the punch and, and swing with his next hit with the item. So it's it's really good if you've got uh, lots of enemies near you and lots of items in front of you to just like smash <laughs> smash around like turn into the hulk sort of thing <laughs> um the pink rush mode is really handy if you can't get out of the way of someone's attacks very quickly because it has like a you can dodge or evade three times in succession so you can go like a whoosh 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 uh, away from an enemy which is really really handy and also some bosses get into like a rush mode where they've got like flames coming off them and in in the slower modes it's really hard to get hit in so if you go into rush mode and just like spam those buttons you can get those really quick hits in and try and make them stumble um but then you have to be really fast if you want to do uh, a heat attack with the rush mode the the mode that i gravitate gravitated towards was the um the brawler mode i believe it's called where it's like a, a medium between the two I, you you have like quite heavy hitting punches but you're not too slow either and the reason i like that is because in that mode you can grab people 
And so you can grab people, you can throw them, you can punch them in a grab, but based on that mode, you get the most amount of heat action as possible. So if you fill your heat bar, if you get enough hits or you drink enough um, like uh, heat boosts in your inventory, if you grab someone and you move them over to a wall, you can interact with that wall and shove them into it to do those damage. You can walk up to a car and like uh, smash their head with a car door. And you can like interact with the environment in really interesting ways. You can do heat actions when someone's on the floor and you can put um, skill points into your into your trees of different fighting styles and really buff up the one that you use a lot. So that uh, there, there was one that I really needed late game where if you get knocked down, you usually have to spam the A button to get back up. But because of the skill point, uh, if you've got enough heat in your bar, you can do a really high hitting attack where instead of uh, spamming to get up, you you just press the, the heat attack button and Kid you just jumps up from the ground and smashes an enemy's head down. So the, the brawler fighting style, I found the most rewarding just because the heat actions with so many different items to interact with and kind of knowing how to get that heat up and then use an action to uh, get an enemy's health down, especially with bosses. Like we try and get as many hits in as you can while avo avoiding their attacks. And then if you can manage to throw them, which you can grab them and then really uh, rapidly press the B button to throw them, and get them down, you can then uh, do a heat action one there on the ground. So things like that, like knowing the intricacies of the combat, like it, it was really simple when I started off because it's just like I don't really want to play like a just a button spammer. Mm -hmm. But then knowing how to interact with the environment and all the different things you can do to do lots of damage, I found it quite quite rewarding. Like it's not complicated, but um, getting those sort of different combos with with the skill trees and also like uh, buttons where you can like hold down to do loads of damage, I generally found to be like really satisfying. And when when you get to kiwami too like the the combat changes completely and it just feels way like more intense and um like your the combos that you can do and the actual throw button is not just to get someone on the floor it's actually like throw them into different enemies and things it's really really satisfying but that okay. said it it is a it is a very cartoony uh punch him up I was going to say, it gets, does it get more ridiculous as, it, as the series goes on then? Because I know there's a part where you fight a bear in one of the Yakuza games. Yeah, my, my friends have told me that you end up like fighting tigers in like Yakuza 3 <laughs> and onwards. Um, that the problem that I've heard is that uh, Yakuza 0 kind of upgrades a little bit to Yakuza Kiwami, so they, they feel very, very similar. Uh, mm. I think it's running on the same engine. When you get to Yakuza Kiwami 2, there's a step up. And then because they haven't remade um, three, everyone says that three is the biggest step down. So it kind of goes back to that more uh, dated original Yakuza experience, mm. which, um, you know, I haven't got to three yet, so I can't speak on that. But from what I've heard, I believe uh, five and six are very good. And Like a Dragon um, switches to turn-based combat, which, you know, is uh, complete kind of revitalization of the of the series and their their other series judgment has, has kept the kind of more um real-time combat like, yeah, that was like... a joke originally like i think before they released like a dragon 
they were joking around about we're going to make a turn-based jacuzzi game and everyone was like no nah, that's ridiculous that's never going to happen and then like a dragon came out and everyone was like what you no, actually I, um, did it i've seen it because they they yeah they made a joke thing like a little mock-up of like what a turn-based one would look like because that's so different to what a jacuzzi game but everyone responded really positively so like okay apparently people want this um now i'm not really a turn-based kind of guy generally um but yakuza is so funny like <laughs> the sort of different moves i have as a chiban is just yeah it's awesome like I, I love hiring people in the face almost with birthday cake i've heard that they justify it because ichiban is a huge fan of dragon quest yeah so yeah. like the the combat reflects his kind of uh reality yeah it's almost like you're living in this like guy who's obsessed with the game's head so like when you get into a fight with people they can like turn they turn from what they were looking into like some sort of weird mob either like you know lawyers or like people in beachwear and stuff like that yeah. you depends on what you've picked but if you're uh playing as like you get job roles in it um so if you pick like it's to be the hero job you can have your outfit it's like a full-on suit of armor yeah. <laughs> so it looks like, really yeah, reminiscent of kind of like old school final fantasy paladin armor yeah it's, it's great like, I've seen. it just seemed it's so kind of comically ridiculous and as I said, I don't know, I'm, j- I'm jumping on into this Yakuza bit, but like, where I've got to in the game, it's gone all kinds of Metal Gear Solid in terms of like, complex, weird, you know, like, the narrative's gone all like, there's this, you know, Matrix level inside area where they're spying on the whole city and stuff, and it just, I didn't expect it to do that at all. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's quite wild. Um, it's actually, like, I want to, I think I've I don't know. Have I come to my decision or am I just going to wing it in the last steps? Because of the punchy, brawlery type of game, like the gameplay on that doesn't appeal to me as much as just something that knocks off Assassin's Creed because I like Assassin's Creed combat. But then again, it does just knock off Assassin's Creed a fair bit. So that is sort of a negative. Um, the stylization on... You're going to get so Ghost. much hate for that comment, by the way. Probably so much hate for calling Ghost of Tsushima an Assassin's Creed knockoff. So many people are going to be like, "What?" If they can take away some of the hate from, like, you know, just calling us communists or whatever, I'll take it. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Not a communist card. Um. Anyway, so the stylization. I've seen enough pictures of them. Like, yeah, like those jewels are dramatic, but that is in that very cinematic kind of way. Um. Whereas, obviously. Yakuza's modern days, so you kind of are deprived of a lot of that awesome stylization. But then Yakuza has that just the funny aspect, and like I really enjoy playing it for that reason. I just wish if the gameplay was honestly like the Assassin's Creed, like run around beat him up style, I'd possibly be way I'd be like, you know, there's there's parts of it I want to have in there from each game. Um what I would say though, because I say this is quite a hard decision, it's weird how it is every single time, like. I had FIFA versus PT the other week, and you'll be surprised how hard a decision that would be. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, have to listen to find out. Um, what I want to know, like one one thing I want to know to see is like, would this be held over Odrin's head if you won this one as a victory when he spoilers lost his <laughs> or would uh... it not be? <sighs> No, I don't think so. Aldrin's got so many wins over me that I, I feel that this would barely chip at the, the mountain. But um, I, I, firstly, <laughs> I can't believe that you haven't played Black Ops or Left 4 Dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
They, they almost <laughs> and, teamed up on me on that one. And <laughs> secondly, I don't know. Oh, see, I think it is a hard decision, but I still would have gone Left for Dead. So I, I'm, I'm still reeling from that decision. <laughs> Saying oh, that, I, I think the not having played either of them sort of, you know, it gives me a fresh outlook. It's basically then down to who can describe it better. <laughs> like, see, I've yeah. played, I've played both, and I agree with Connor. I would have gone Left for Dead. It's, it's the um I think it was like the the throw the word Fidel Castro into it and like I'm like ooh <laughs> get to shoot Fidel Castro which is probably not a good idea for the commie gamer but um... <laughs> I I think for for me this this uh battle comes down to <laughs> I like either a series that honestly I I could play Yakuza quite happily and 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 not many other games for a, a long long time and I have been. Sort of in my evenings playing a bit of Yakuza every day for you know a long time now. Um, whereas I think that Ghost of Tsushima is, you know, a an amazing kind of one narrative experience. So it's it's sort of a question of are you going to value an extremely premium game i mean i'm not i'm not gonna downplay it i think ghost of Tsushima, like in a single game probably knocks yakuza out of the water but the 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 reason i've said the yakuza series is because there is so much potential for all the games to align the way they do and for them to still be making them that i think the longevity uh it needs to be taken into consideration uh so it's basically one time experience or the the series of Yakuza. See, people would say it's unfair in that, like, um, I allow a series to compete against a single game, but there is no rules really. Besides, I mean, whims are my counter argument to that would be okay. Yeah, the Yakuza is games are a series that blend quirky, bizarre comedy with incredibly well written, beautifully structured narratives. But, but from a gameplay perspective. Do they match the beauty and stylization of Ghost of Tsushima? I mean, you know, I literally can spend an, a good hour or two literally on my pony just mooching around the ever-changing landscapes of the island of Tsushima. You know, you've got right at the northern point, you've got these beautiful snow-capped mountains. You've got down the far, on the south end, you've got white sand beaches beautiful forests and everything is just so visually breathtaking you know the middle section is like a war-torn scarred landscape and you've just got as you move up the country you've just got this movement that worked with the storytelling it all starts very quaint and quiet and as you move up through the different regions it becomes more harsh more fierce more brutal and you know does kind of does do the environmental kind of effects and stuff in a yakuza in the yakuza series match the sheer beauty of a single game is what i would kind of say to that and then obviously you know other boss battles in yakuza they're a beat em up similar to the kind of you know hack and slash of go to tsushima but are they as beautifully well done and as well kind of like done as set pieces as they are in the ghost of tsushima in ghost of tsushima because ghost of tsushima is the boss battles in that are kind of one of the most standout things. Every one-on-one boss battle is so well put together and well-rounded that it just, it matches, you know, you've got, there's one guy you fight 
in a little cove and you've got waves crashing and you've got another guy that you fight on a hilltop and there's a lightning storm occurring you know it's every aspect of it is so finely tuned and detailed to the story of each set piece any final rebuttals there connor i need to find a cheap ps4 <laughs> 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 or, or wait for Trek to yell me next year. <laughs> that game looks, I mean, it is just like side scrolling Ghost of Tsushima, but it looks. Yeah, that looks yeah, stunning though. Awesome. I actually quite suffer. Um, so my, my mind has been back flipping back and forth. I'm not going to lie. Like, and it happens most times because of, like, despite putting myself in position of judge of this, I'm the worst judge. And I am <laughs> swayed by whoever kind of just, you know, speaks loud as AS. Like, it, it, I can just, I hear both sides. I'm like, yeah, great points. So I'm terrible at this, but I think in terms of giving a flippant decision, I'm going to have to give it to Ghost, which upsets me a little bit because, one, I'm hoping to uh, be making, hopefully, an appearance on a new show you guys may be doing at some point. Um, and now I'm going to have two people that probably hate me <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> on the show there. So that's not a good start. But I like to think that you are probably as sold as I am on Ghost of Tsushima right now. Yeah, I'm not at all disappointed. I'm, <laughs> I'm very happy that Ghost has, has won it. I'm just sorry that Yakuza didn't find a, a weak uh, opponent. Yeah, honestly, it would have... If it, I'd say Ghost should possibly be, like, you know, game of the century from just what I've seen visually of it. And like, these no, that's, that's Witcher 3. Yeah, too much upgrades. <laughs> but like just the, yeah the stylization which part of me i was arguing like well that's more of a movie i'm looking for games and i know like uh you know yakuza has given me like lots of games but i think it's the gameplay of the beat-em-up um and even of the turn base like while i find it amusing in like a dragon it still isn't my kind of thing because of i just want to play assassin's creed usually like, i want to mm. sneak up and stab someone don't take that out of context um, <laughs> So, yeah, I think I'm going to have to stick with that. Plus, I can imagine it going through into, like, further rounds with ease, frankly, because um, it's just such a good game. And I do have a PS4 that I've not touched uh, as a hand-me-down gift from someone that plays PS4. So I'll be playing that at some point. But I mean, if it's a Constellation, I've not played the Yakuza games but based on Connor's arguments I'm actually going to probably use Game Pass properly for the first time in god knows how long and download them to play them because um, it sounds um, like my kind of thing yeah kind of wanted to play Zero again a bit I think they've, they've got what all all eight mainline Yakuza titles on Game Pass so yeah like everything oh, there's my summer there. sword Zero <laughs> <laughs> knowing you you actually will be able to get through them as well I've probably seen how much games you play <laughs> um yeah, God, I hate it. It's like turmoil, just having to choose between such things. But you know what? I have to just live with my decision, and I think it's a fair one. Yeah, definitely. Feudal Japan versus Criminal Japan. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a tough think, one. I'd say it's a tough one. What'd be quite cool? Uh, as I say, it would be quite cool is doing a Yakuza game, but based on like feudal. With they did, they really? did. They, yeah, they did a samurai Yakuza, but it. I I think it's it's not on Xbox, and I don't know if it's on. It might be like a PS3 game. I know they've done like a they've done Yakuza spin-offs where they've done like a feudal Japan one and a and a, a zombie Yakuza yeah, yeah. title. Uh, <laughs> they sound great, and like if I, I, just, I just fingers crossed if if they like port them over to the Xbox or whatever that uh, they bring them to Game Pass or something because they they sound awesome. 
definitely need more Yakuza. I want to give Yakuza more of a go, but it is just that thing of having enough time to play games, really. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm already working my way through everything Game Pass throws at me, and I've still got Assassin's Creed Valhalla to complete. I'm mm. like nowhere really on that. Um, bit of a sidestep to just something you were talking about recently. Uh, I was listening to it the other day, your Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance. Yeah. Um, so I started playing that as well, like and I think I agree with just about everything you said. It is kind of half not fully baked. Mm. But I had fun on it. Um, I was playing it with Riku here. Yes, uh, it was really fun. I enjoyed it, but... We put on too hard a set. Yeah, it needs some polish. It needs <laughs> a bit of polish in. Yeah, I mean, what, what I said on the podcast was that it's a, it's a really promising, like, I don't know. It To me, it felt like a really promising build that you'd, you'd give to a publisher and the publisher went brilliant here's the money you need to uh yeah. you know polish it and make it yeah. and let it really sing but it's just not there i mean it, there's so many games that come out where it's just like this isn't quite you know the the level of quality we expect from games now and you know maybe we've got a warped sense of um perception of this but i, I think that the standard for games have been raised so sufficiently mm. now that uh you know when you've got those ghost of sushimas and you've got so many different like really really top tier games a game where even just a little thing little bit is off it's really noticeable and dark alliance unfortunately just falls under that thing of if it wasn't on game pass i think it'd really go unnoticed definitely yeah Um, i mean the thing that stood out for me when Callie and i were playing it was we respawned and our character models weren't there. You just, have, <laughs> you just have footprints on the snow. And eventually, as I'm hacking and slashing through things, there'd be slow rendering of my character's body. I'm like, that's where I am. But every time, like, it was any time we both died, one of us would come back as a pair of legs and the other would come back yep. entirely invisible. <laughs> like, and that, I, that is actually okay. I'm fine with a bug like that. Um, there was just some, I, I think I'll probably enjoy it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go back and play it, I'll be honest. Like, I, I, I was enjoying it. But yeah, you're right. Like it could definitely do with a few of those bugs having been fixed before being released. There should also be a warning about how hard it is on those, you know, different modes. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely saw that. You know, you, you've got the, the party strength, and and there's uh, all the ones in white, which the game deems you uh, fit to do. But um, it's not a game you should play by yourself. I played a, a substan- substantial chunk of it by myself. And always getting to the end bosses, it was just like, this is painful. Yeah. Uh, I likened it at times to Soulsborne. It was a, it's a Dungeons and Dragons Souls-like. Because you don't die in like go, one swing, but... No, but the kind of like the, the bonfire, you go to a bonfire and then the enemies respawn. It kind of had those really like low-level Souls-like mechanics mm-hmm. in it. And the last boss, we only did the first area. And that first boss, like, thankfully there was me and Callie, because like we were literally focusing on one each divide and conquer yeah i managed mm. to get to a point where i could get one of the guys in a corner like away from the other and just like well into him and he didn't have time to which one was that was those like the like the two dwarf the there's two like one big keys. troll looking thing and then his um little goblin friends all oh, right like, yeah there's there's so uh, there's some weird um some bosses but the thing is that if you take all the heat by yourself and i was the archer like most of the game i was just standing back from the enemies like firing arrows at them but i mean i i imagine it would it would have been much more fun with with friends but as you said like the the connection issues and and sort of all the issues you got into when when playing online is just like no it's not worth it 
I also had the benefit that your uh, your American friend on that show had of being a bit of a nerd for the sort of like Forgotten Realms lore. Oh, so yeah. when I got to play as like Dritz, I was like, yes, I've read books about this guy. You know. Yeah. Cool. And then I sat there going, I will play as the Archer woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I don't. <laughs> I think don't know how either. To be if, fair, but if like um, if you come to that game knowing nothing about Dungeons and Dragons, it does not introduce it no. any, anyway. Helpfully. I mean, that could literally have been a Dragon Age game or any of the, you know, any of those kind of style of games very easily without a Dungeons and Dragons badge on it. It could have just been generic. Well, that's not a problem. Coolery. I think the problem is that they don't introduce, like, well, that's in what I'm saying, Dragon though, Age, you, you know your characters from. You could literally have just, that. it could have just been any form of kind of like medieval, high fantasy, dungeon crawling game. There was no real. I didn't. I didn't know who any of the characters were. Callie kind of explained vaguely who Drist was. I was like, so he's on a board game. He's in the books. Callie was like, he's in books. I was like, but he's got a board game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I just wanted to bring that because I, I was just listening to that the other day, and yeah, wanted to air my thoughts. I like that game. Plus, if you ever, if you ever need squad mates to go and, well, I don't even know what the dungeons are called in Dungeons and Dragons, what the places are, but yeah, if you ever need to go kill some goblins. Hit us up. Oh, thank you very much. And thank you for listening as well. Yeah, yeah no worries. I uh, yeah, enjoy getting to hear stuff, especially when it is generally big enough Game Pass, which I do on the show all the time. <laughs> um, so can you, I mean, we obviously we had uh, Odrin on like last week, so I'm sure everyone knows and where you guys are from. But if you want to go ahead, just tell us a little way from, because you mentioned only the game in Sandbox. So um, yeah, if you want to go ahead and just tell us everywhere we can find you. Yeah, I mean, uh, so... I, I'm on Twitter as uh, at Gaming Sandbox CS, uh, and you can follow Gaming Sandbox at, uh, the the Twitter account, and we have that website. But basically, we also have the the unofficial Game Pass podcast on Twitter as well. So um, uh, we started that in what something like uh, February when when the Medium came out, and we've been talking about uh a game pass game different one every week and obviously gaming sandbox is our our new website all about indie games getting to talk about the the small games that we're really passionate about and think deserve a, a larger audience so you can um follow our website where we've got you know reviews news uh we've got articles with with indie devs um i think we're we we have a podcast where we, we kind of shove all our interviews and, and talks about indie games called Indie Insight. Um but yeah you can uh you can find me all at all at those locations. Just to be clear, yes, they are our rivals now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be the trap. We're um, we're the capitalists. The capitalist gamers, yeah. Well they they're the ones that have actual, you know, interviews with people that matter. Ours are just like a group of dickheads that talk about games occasionally like <laughs> um so yeah check out and that is uh uh, gaming sandbox but with a hyphen in between because i didn't put that on the uh previous thing i need to get that update oh the 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 twitter account yeah i think it might be a website address i believe oh yeah so yeah gaming uh dash is dash yeah. <laughs> yeah, gaming-sandbox.com, I believe, yeah. yeah. I need to update that on the previous episode. I, I, got, I got a message from Odrin telling me I've done it wrong, so I'm, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> oh, if people want to find us, they'll be persistent. I, I'm not yeah, bothered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll, find, you'll find it if you go to the commies Twitter page, us probably just robbing ideas off them, so that's a good way to look out for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Riku, where can we find you and what are you doing these days? 
Um, so obviously I'm findable on Twitter at Riku underscore Noct. That's N-O-C-T. Um, on Twitch at Riku Noct and uh, soon to be, uh, hopefully in the next week or two, uh, on YouTube as well at Riku Noct Gaming as well. And what will you be doing on said YouTube? I am saying nothing because oh, really? we are keeping we're keeping that a surprise. A we're keeping that a secret for the time being, Callie. Fair enough. I mean, this goes out Sunday. Are you sure, can't 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 say something. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Okay, because it's going out <laughs> Sunday. Uh, I'm going to be starting to continue the misadventures of Rufus Legrand, my character on Bloodborne, picking up from where I left off on the charity live stream from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, which you bravely stayed up all night, all night playing uh, till like six of the bloody morning. Twenty past six in the morning from like. 10 p.m. on the Saturday. I don't think we've actually celebrated this year, but we made 220 pounds from Macmillan. So, woo, go that was us. amazing. Yeah, good, good, good job. Thank you, thanks, Connor. This is all. This is all just us picking Much ourselves applause. up for the, uh, applause. the audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got an audience in the room. Um, yeah, and um, I mean, I'm I'm comedy gamer, the one to direct your abuse about communism at. We're not communists. Please stop directing abuse at me, people. <laughs> but, uh, and then, yeah, check out comedygamer.com for absolutely everything and all our other podcasts. So, uh, Dos Vidania. Dos Vidania. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.